all visibility is not helpful visibility. If you are offered this great opportunity to lead this committee or do this thing, and it has nothing to do, and it's not aligned with the work that you're trying to do in the world, the impact you're trying to have with your career, you are creating future distraction, literally. Because you're saying that that opportunity is saying, here I am, this is what I do. And you know what happens? Once you do that, you're going to get 50 more questions, ask opportunities about that thing. And then you're going to be mad. Why do people keep asking me to do this? This isn't really what I want to do. Well, girl, because you stood up and said, this is me, right? Why do we do that? Because we're looking at the visibility. We're looking at the gold star. We're looking at the, oh, it's a national committee. It's this thing. And I want to tell y'all that the gold stars have to be the byproduct. They cannot be first. This is how we get off track. Hello, you are listening to Your Unapologetic Career. Being a woman of color faculty in academic medicine who wants to make a real difference with your career can be tough. Listen, these systems are not built for us, but that doesn't mean we can't make them work for us. In each episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain confidence and effectiveness in pursuing the dream career you worked so hard to achieve. All you have to do is tune in to your unapologetic career with me, your host, Kemi Dole, physician, surgeon, researcher, coach, and career strategist for an always authentic, sometimes a little raw, but unapologetically empowering word. I keep it real for you because I want you to win. Hello. So I get so many questions along the lines of, ah, how can I work with you? (laughs) You're changing my life and I want more of this. And if you fall into that category and you are a woman of color, faculty member in academic medicine, public health, or allied fields, then just keep listening. Listen, are you building the academic career you want or hard at work checking boxes on everyone else's to-do list? A successful career doing the work you love doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your values, your family, or your joy. Stop trying to be everything to everybody and get to learning the strategies that will 3X your productivity, hone your passions into funded projects, and create the career you worked so hard to achieve. If you've been to every career development and professional development workshop that sounded great, but didn't actually deal with the kind of institutional pressures you face, if you're working hard, but somehow stuck in inefficiency, putting everyone else's priorities first, if you spent years training and sacrificing to become academic faculty, and here you are still working nights and weekends on the projects you care most about, I'm here to tell you that you can walk away from this institutional mindset forever and take control of your career with clarity and strategy. Every day, I help women of color faculty of all career levels in academic medicine, like you, reframe and recreate their academic life so that they can channel their ideas, passions, and skills into grant-funded work with institutional support and sustainability. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Get That Grant, our six-month high-performance coaching program for high-achieving women of color faculty in academic medicine who are ready to reclaim career control and secure grant funding doing the work they love. 
In Get That Grant, we help you kick imposter syndrome to the curb for good. So you lead your career with clarity and confidence. You learn productivity and strategy skills for grants and papers to maximize your chances of success without wasting your time, abandoning your passion, or working yourself into the ground. We help you build the foundation for an amazing and fulfilling academic career, changing your life and the lives of everyone your work will touch. Yes, this future is possible for you and it's waiting on you to make the first step. If you are ready for career success without sacrifice, I encourage you to join our waitlist at kemidole.com backslash grant. After you join the waitlist, you'll be notified when the next Get That Grant cohort will be enrolling. Your application process will include an in-depth career foundations assessment, helping you identify the gaps in your foundation that are holding you back from enjoying the career you work so hard to achieve. No more secret worrying that the career you want isn't really possible. This career assessment will show you exactly where you need to focus to level up your experience and your impact. Join the waitlist today to get in line. Visit kemidole.com backslash grant to sign up. Talk to you soon. Hello, hello. This is Kemi, the host of your Unapologetic Career podcast. And I am very excited this week to bring you an encore episode. Drum roll, please. This is the first time we've ever done an encore episode. We try in all sorts of new stuff in 2023, y'all. I'm bringing this episode back from the back from the back. This is from 2021. This episode is over a year old, but when it landed, people went nuts and it continues to be a very, very popular one that people go back and listen to. But I know a lot of people like me don't scroll back through the catalog. It's just like, what are you doing now? What's up now? For those of you who've heard this episode, I absolutely 100% want you to hear it again, especially with this hashtag 2023 energy with like this combination of like, let's ease into our year, but also hashtag black girl magic. Um, We're coming back. Shout out to the Golden Globes. Like there is a way in which our intention around rest and ease can easily be thwarted by seemingly good things, great, exciting opportunities, and not being in a place where we can navigate those important no's well and navigate them accurately to the actual career we want really sours, right? Those intentions at the top of the year that most of us deeply want to hold on to for the rest of the year. So that's why we are bringing you this episode right now, again, on repeat at the top of this year. And the episode is four ways to avoid saying yes when you really mean no. This is such an important, important, important skill. It's one that you have to get and then you have to practice and you have to use it or it atrophies. And I want every single person listening, I want everybody in our community to be 100% back on the skills that I walk through in this episode and back on knowing for sure how to say no. In 2023, We're not saying yes when we really mean no. All right, take care, y'all. Let me know how you like the episode. If you've heard it before and this is your re-listen, let me know what you heard new on the re-listen. Come and find me on all the socials. I'll see you next week. Hello, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I'm talking about four ways that we can reclaim time in our careers. I'm glad and so excited to speak with you today and 
I want to just go ahead and tell you that today we're going to be talking about the ways in which we create a problem of not having enough time in our careers. Because I know that this is a constant, oh, it's such a constant struggle. Like, I think we just, I want to acknowledge that figuring out time and figuring out how to balance it and how to use it most effectively, you know, changing your relationship to it so you're not constantly in struggle is is a big part of what we ask for as women of color who have decided that we want to have careers in academic medicine and public health because we want to be doing more than one thing. So we're here in a lot of ways because we said, ooh, I don't want to just do one thing every single day. I am excited about the variety. I am excited that one day I'll be in clinic, another day I'll be working on my research, another day I'll be teaching, another day I'll be doing a speaking engagement. I get to travel to do community engagement. Like we love that aspect. And at the same time, the other side of that is that it comes with having to balance a lot of different types of things that you do, which are like organized differently and take up time in different ways. And so it's okay that reclaiming time and figuring out how to maximize time is a theme that comes up over and over. Like sometimes I talk to people and they seem frustrated or they seem like dejected. That's like, I still haven't figured out time management. I still haven't figured out how to work it out. And and I'm sitting there going, well, if you're still wanting to do a lot of different things, doing a lot of different things, growing in all those areas, still have goals that you're reaching for, why would it be a problem that you have to reassess how you use time and think about time on a continual basis? That to me says that you're actually just doing what you came here to do. (laughs) You're doing what you came here to do. You're handling a lot of different things and you're having a, a vibrant and exciting career. So the first thing I just wanted to say is like, let's come in recognizing that this isn't a failure if you are still figuring out, I mean, I hate this phrase, but I will say it. If you are still figuring out time management, that's not a failure. That to me, it's actually an indication that you still very much have alive in you that strong desire about the impact that your career can have, that it is having, and that could have, and that is exciting. So I wanted to start there, but today we are going to be specific. We're going to be specific about four ways to reclaim time in your career. And very specifically, I want to talk about what happens. I want to talk about the times in which we lose time because we say yes when we mean no. (laughs) Another common pitfall that we land in. And I know we all hear a lot about like, just say no, just say no. Etc. And I've written about this before, how I think that that's really bad advice. And I think it's really bad advice because it doesn't encourage you to engage your executive thinking about what the opportunities are and then how you want to, and then like what you want to use to decide if you're going to move forward with them. So I just, just say no is what I would say it's elementary advice. And y'all aren't elementary. <laughs> y'all are not, y'all are expert. Okay. We're not here doing elementary things. We're not here doing mediocre things, right? So let's move on from just say no. However, let's also acknowledge that a lot of us end up with not enough time. A lot of us end up just incensed 
about not having enough time or about being in meetings that feel like a total waste. This is me saying yes. I definitely do that. It drives me insane to feel like my time is being wasted, to be engaged in something that is like incredibly inefficient or not going anywhere. I like have like a triggered personal reaction of rage. So I'm just going to disclose that. But I also want to say that, you know, that's not that uncommon. And the bottom line is a lot of times when that happens, a lot of times when the time struggle that we're having is around being frustrated that our time is being wasted or that we're doing something that we really do not want to be spending time on, then those are areas that we have much more control over. So I'm going to go through four very specific ways, very specific reasons why we say yes when we mean no. And then I'm going to go through four very specific strategies you can start to use to stop doing that. (laughs) Because that is our goal. Awareness, yes, but then strategy. What do we do on the other side? Okay. So the first reason that I see in clients and colleagues, and certainly sometimes myself, is why we say yes when we mean no to a new opportunity that is going to take your time, is that when we receive the ask, so when we get the email or even potentially in person, the person who asks, the words that are used, essentially they assume the answer is yes with the ask. It's like, it's not a ask that's like, hi, we're really hopeful that you might consider doing ABC. So whether it's because it's from somebody familiar, there's a lot of whole reasons, maybe it's an area in your space, but basically the way the question is asked is it's already assumed that you're going to be there. We're so excited to hold this event and heard that you're free on this day. Like what time slot would you prefer? One or three o'clock? And you're like, wait, what? It's almost like you're confused. You know how you get an email or in a conversation and you kind of want to be like, wait, I'm sorry, did did I miss an earlier conversation? Like in your head, because you're going, when did I, I don't remember saying yes to this or whatever. So that's one of the ways that we end up with a yes when we really mean no. And I get it because it kind of puts us on the defensive. So instead of starting from a place of somebody asking a question that you need to answer, you're starting from a place of somebody making plans And the feeling that you have is stopping the train. And that is a totally different level of energy and effort that's required. And oftentimes we don't want to do that. We don't have that energy to give. It requires a lot of extra effort. And so when we're already tired or crunched for space and time, it can literally, even though this is so crazy, it can feel easier in the moment to just let the train keep going and deal with it later. The other thing that happens when somebody basically, when the ask comes with an assumption of yes, and you feel this train going, is that it triggers, especially for women and women of color in academic medicine and public health and other spaces, it triggers that nice complex where now we're in a situation where in order to stop the train, right? In order to say no, we basically have to bring discomfort into the conversation. We have to be the ones standing up saying, wait, no, no, made wrong assumption. That's not correct. And because of who we are, a lot of the times, especially black women in predominantly white spaces, having to be that person that is saying no, saying, wait, 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 the train is moving, but I'm stopping it is something we already have to do too many times. 
So when this situation comes up and it maybe feels so small and it's just as easy as somebody's in your email going, hey, don't you want to do this thing? We've already kind of arranged it. You can come at this time. That feeling of having to stop the train, of having to stand up and say, no, I don't want to, it has like an oversized energetic drain to it. And again, it can just be easier to be like, oh my God, fine, right? Like I don't want to have to quote fight today. Again, not necessarily what's in the email, but the reaction that it causes in us. So that's one way that we give up our time and that we end up way too crunched on time one of the ways that we say yes when we mean no, when somebody is assuming a yes with their ask. Number two. So the second way that we say yes, reason why we say yes when we mean no, is when the ask, so when the question and the ask comes from, the connection comes from an important VIP or like a sponsor in our life. So this is not somebody that we're like questioning, we're like concerned about. This is somebody that's like in your corner, Okay. You might, and the thing is you might only have like one of these people, maybe two, but they are very much in your corner. They're like, they're down for you, right? You feel very grateful that they see your value and they're excited about you and they want to put you on. Okay. And so when they connect you with someone, when the connection comes, it's a totally different level of energy. It's a totally different level of urgency and pressure when the ask comes. And it comes, and I just want to pull out two different ways this happens because when we get into solutions, depending on the way it comes, it's going to depend on how you want to strategize going forward. So sometimes it's a direct recommendation. So it's like they're connecting you with this person over here because they have recommended that you give a talk here, or they're connecting you because they have recommended that you write this opinion piece, or they are connecting you because they have recommended you for this position. So a very specific direct connection. Or sometimes it can be an indirect connection. So a VIP person has just connected you with somebody. Say, hey, I just really want to connect you with this person. This person is really great. I think she'd be really interested in your work or they'd be really interested in your work. And then they just kind of let it go. And then that person comes back and makes an ask for you. Okay, so that's the two ways in which these asks, somebody asking for your time, either for a talk or a meeting or a position or a writing gig or something like that is coming because of an important VIP connection. And when that happens, we're human, like, right? We want to hold on and we want to nurture those sponsorship relationships. And it totally changes the dynamic of how we assess the opportunity. And even if inside we're like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I do not. This is a no for me. I don't want to do this. We will say yes. We will say yes because we're not really saying yes to the opportunity. We're saying yes to trying to preserve that VIP sponsorship relationship. So that's number two ways that we end up saying yes when we mean no and end up losing time later that we're frustrated about. Okay, y'all ready for number three? Number three, the third way that we give up our time because we say yes when we mean no is that we will say yes without complete information. And I, like, I just, I'm not trying to just call y'all out. I'm calling myself out too, because it's like incredible how this happens, but I certainly see it a lot, is that we will get an invitation. Say it's an invitation for a talk. And we will go, wow, this, I think this looks like something I want to do. You know, maybe it's at a national level. Maybe the group we're speaking to is like really perfect, like whatever reason, but we're like very intrigued. And in the meantime, on the same side, we're also going, 
I really hope it's in person or I really hope it's like just a 30 minute talk, not an hour. I really hope that we don't have to have 16 meetings before to plan. I really hope it's live and not pre-recorded. So we'll have all these things in our mind about what we hope, but you know what we'll say? We'll say yes. And then we'll hope. So we'll say, yes, I'm available. And then we'll ask all the questions. Um, is this going to be, how long is the talk? Um, do I have to be there in person? Is it going to be pre-recorded? Or if it's an invitation to like write co-author something, maybe write an op-ed or something, we'll say yes. And are you going to lead this or am I going to lead this? What's the timeline? What's the whatever? So this is what I call yes with hope, where we say yes. And then we hope the kind of things that would help us be able to manage this from a time framework are there as opposed to asking ahead of time. So that's another reason why we end up saying yes when we mean no, because we will say yes without any of that information. And then we will just hope that it works out on our schedule. And again, that's another way that we end up resentful and frustrated later down the line and angry and mad that we don't have enough time. That what are all these things that I'm doing? How did this blow up in my face? That's number three, saying yes without complete information. All right. Number four, and this is the last one before we get into strategies. So number four way that we give away our time because we say yes when we really mean no is, well, as you all know, it actually undergirds all three of these, but we're coming back to this. The number four reason is because we don't have our own criteria for saying yes. So we don't have a predetermined criteria for saying yes to a new publication, for saying yes to a new speaking engagement, for saying yes to a new position, for saying yes to a new committee, for whatever. We don't have any detailed, any a priori criteria for ourselves. And what does this mean? This means that every time you get an ask, every email that comes in, every time there's an ask, it is a brand new decision. It's a brand new decision. And depending on where you are, it is so often that we either are rushed in the moment, right? Because again, we're multi-hyphenate beings. We're doing a lot of things. You're in clinic, you're in the OR, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing patients, you're writing, you're doing research, you're doing all this stuff. So you're rushed. You don't have enough time to actually sit and go through and make the decision. And so a lot of us, you know, this um, advice comes around a lot. Like, don't say yes right away. Like, tell them that you'll come back in 24 hours. Like, don't say yes right away. Wait. And then we go, okay, great. And we go, okay, yes, I'll get back to you next week. And then we have no plan on what to do in that week's time. We don't spend any time on it. We don't have plans to think about it. We don't know what criteria it is. So it comes around and it's been a week and you're still rushed because you haven't moved anywhere up here about the decision. So either way, it's like, Being rushed is not having enough time, but the other thing that's also really important about not having any criteria ahead of time is that we often, regardless of time, we also don't have the energy to engage. So this is really around like just mental fatigue, like decision-making fatigue. As academic faculty members, we are often, you know, part of the value that we're bringing is that we're making decisions all the time. Those of you that are clinical are making clinical decisions. If you're teaching, you're thinking about your students and like decisions around assignments and grading. I mean, you're constantly making decisions. And so when every single time somebody comes in with an ask for you, that is yet another decision. It's understanding that a lot of times we just have decision fatigue and we don't actually have the energy to engage. And when that is the case, 
When that is the case, and then you're socialized as a woman and a woman of color, and especially a black woman in academic medicine, you're not trying to make waves and you're not trying to upset people and you're not trying to miss out and you want to have a big career and you're ambitious, the default lower energy answer is actually yes. That's the thing. The default answer that feels easiest in the moment that would take the least amount of your time and the least amount of your energy in that moment actually ends up being yes. And so later, two, three weeks, months later, when you realize, oh my gosh, my answer is really a no, it's too late. And here we are again in a meeting, seething, (laughs) pissed. Why do I not have enough time? Why is there so much to do? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So those are the four ways that we say yes, or the four reasons that we say yes, when we mean no, or when it should be a no. And now we're going to talk about the four solutions. Number one, we're going to go in order. So the first one, which was when they assume yet, when they assume your answer is yes with the ask, and it feels like saying no is like, oh my gosh, it's like turning the whole train around. Okay. And that just feels too energetically heavy. This is my strategy for you. This is my tactic. Instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to turn this whole train around. Like this is just too much. You move with the energy they brought. So they're assuming your answer is yes, because they're assuming the topic matters to you. You're totally on board. The reason why they're doing it makes sense. And therefore you'd like to participate. So what you do is you say yes to all of those things, except the participation one. You agree with the yes. Oh my gosh, this is a great event. Yes, this is such a good idea. I totally am into the impact. Da, 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 da. And then a distinct, there's a distinction between that agreement and your participation. So you get to express that agreement and that appreciation of them seeing the things that align in you that made them assume the yes. And then you get to clarify I'm really, really excited, da, 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 da. And then you get to clarify, it might be a no, I'm not available that day. And available means I don't have the time or the energy or both. Or it might be, this is really great, but there's no way I can do this this year. It's in six weeks. For me, you have to book out like eight months. That's, I mean, it's not being egoic. Like that's literally what the schedule looks like. Then, so you can separate out that yes of like, yay, I'm so into this. I'm so excited with the yes of your participation. This does two things. One, it clarifies to people that your participation is about more than just the alignment. It's about more than just your excitement, that you have structural criteria like your time and energy that have to come to bear. And if they learn that and they still are excited about you, they will engage differently next time. Number two, it helps you. It helps you decrease that feeling of, I have to stop and stand up and stop this whole train and be difficult and not be nice and all of that because you're giving so much agreement. You're giving so much appreciation, except for that 10% that involves you actually being there, in which case then you can stand up for yourself and your own sanity and say no. So that is the tactic for when the assumption in the ask is a yes. Make sense, y'all? That's number one, especially if you have an email in your inbox that you need to do this with tomorrow, (laughs) okay? Number two, the number two reason when we said yes, when we really mean no, is when that connection came from like a VIP sponsor. And so your yes was really about the, the relationship instead of being about the actual opportunity, right? And so now you're doing this whole thing because it's about this relationship over here and not about your time. Okay, so when that happens, 
actually, you don't have to fight that feeling. Move with that. I want you to know that you're right about the fact that this ask, because it was specifically set up or connected to by that sponsor and VIP person in your life, you're right that this is related and is related to your relationship with that person is what I mean. So that's okay. You don't have to think that that's wrong, but then you can move with that connection, connect back. If it was a direct, I am recommending you to do this thing and they CC this person and they're like, go off and prosper. And you're like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not for me you can connect back directly to them. So instead of you just going to tell the person, no, you can connect back to them and say, hey, I really appreciate this. Take the third party out, y'all. You connect directly back to your sponsor and you say, wow, I really appreciate this. I appreciate that you thought about this for me. And then you explain to them why it doesn't work. This is really great. I love this opportunity, but X. There's probably something in there that they actually do need to know about you so that they know for the future. So that if they're really a VIP interesting person interested in you, they can use that to calibrate the next time. They can use that to calibrate whether they're going to ask you the next time. And so therefore what you're doing is that you are honoring the relationship. So you're actually not, you are not disrespecting the relationship. You're honoring it by saying thank you, by giving them information about why it may have been helpful, and then also correcting or adjusting a little bit why it does not work for you. Even if it's like, this is really great. I just cannot do this on this like narrow notice. So we can just be like, this is perfect, but please in the future, like if there's any way I can hear about it earlier, I would definitely do it. It just has to be a no this time. And then you're giving them the respect of saying, I'm just letting you know first, because I am going to go ahead and respond to the primary thread to let them know that I can't do it. That's what you do when it's a direct connection. Okay. And when it's indirect, right? When it's like, they just said, Oh, I'm connecting with this person, go off. And you don't really know if they have any idea about what the ask is later. Like it was very indirect. And now that individual person is now asking you for something in that case. I think it is, it works well to simply move forward with the third party because they've been disconnected and give your nose or ask your clarifying questions. We're about to get to that. But then after that, after you said, okay, this is not working for me or whatever, you want to go back and just FYI. Thank you so much for making the connection. It's really great. I think we'll be able to do X, Y, Z. Just giving you a heads up that they asked me to do X and I just can't do that right now, but I'm hoping A, B, C, right? So either way, what you're doing there, whether it was a direct or indirect, is that you're honoring the relationship. So the thing that you're worried about, that disrespect that you're worried about, honor it. You honor that and say, Oh, I'm not disrespecting you. Connect with them. You explain, and then you keep going. And now you're not engaged in some three month, four month, six month long endeavor that you don't want to be in just to honor a relationship. You get to honor it in a different way. All right, great. That was number two. Number three reason why we say yes when we mean no, and then we end up wait, we end up with our time not being our own and being very frustrated. The number three was when we say yes and hope, okay? When we say yes without complete information. So this is, y'all, I know this thing, this is gonna seem very simple, and that's okay. We need simple. We all need things that are more complicated. When this happens to you, when you get that ask in your inbox, a speaking event, an interview, co-authorship on a paper, a new name title, being on committee, whatever. This is what you're going to do. Instead of saying yes and hoping for the invisible criteria in your head, hoping that it's going to be okay, you replace your yes in your mind. Yes and no. Replace it with thank you. Replace it with 
thank you and then ask questions. Thank you so much for this invitation. I have a few questions. Is it gonna be in person or virtual? Are you going to expect a pre-meeting beforehand? Do I have to pre-record or will it be like da-da-da-da-da-da-da? Ask those questions. Say yes and communicate enthusiasm. Enthusiasm does not equal commitment. So transfer that desire that you have to say yes and then move forward into a thank you instead. And then ask the questions that you are secretly hoping for because the answers to those questions can now help to inform you whether it does make sense and whether you do truly have time or whether you do not. I just want to pause and tell you, this is deeply from personal experience right now. I feel like all of us have learned a lot over the pandemic period and the virtual events and all of that. I've like, the way that I ask about speaking engagements now have just completely changed because I remember one of the first speaking engagements I had that went virtual was an international one, actually. So sad, y'all. I was going to go to Prague. Oof, it was going to be good. But anyway, it transitioned. And so, of course, I was like, oh, we transitioned to virtual. That's okay. Of course, you know, let's make this work. When I tell you, I cannot even, I, at this point, I lost count of how many pre-meetings. Like, I cannot even tell you how many hour-long meetings and pre-meetings and pre-recordings and outlines and this and that. And then you have to actually still be there. I mean, it was probably an easy 15 hours of time, live time, in addition to me preparing the talk itself. And had I known that, I would could have so easily said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can be available for two hours, maybe at the most, but I didn't clarify at the time. Now that was very early on. So things have changed significantly, but I just want to tell y'all, it's not just about a speaking event, right? It is about anything that you're asked to do. You get to express enthusiasm. Thank you. And then your questions, the things that you need to know so that you're clear. And then based on the answers, you can either say, okay, great. That works for me. Or you can say, you know what? I would love to do this. B and C don't work for me, right? Like I would love to do this, but I'm going to need to pre-record on my own time, not schedule a time to record. You can send me all the instructions you want me to do it. I'm going to do it on my own time and I'll send it to you. As long as that's fine, count me in. And that's it, right? Instead of a yes and a hope. Okay. So that's the strategy for the third one. Number four is the last one. Four was when you don't have your own criteria ahead of time about whether you say yes or say no. When you don't have that, what happens is that every ask is a new decision. And when every ask is a new decision, you are now vulnerable to your own fatigue, energetic fatigue and making a decision and your own time fatigue and having time to actually think about it critically and come up with an answer. And when we are fatigued positionally where we are in our careers, we usually default to yes instead of defaulting to no. Okay. And so the answer to this one is instead of having to make a new decision every single time, instead of having to start from scratch every single time, you have to instead know what you want and know where you are going. You have to have a consistent lens through which you're viewing opportunities, viewing these asks, viewing these potentials and already know the things that are going to merit a yes and the things that are going to merit a no and your why. And I'm going to give you an example because it doesn't, there's no formula, right? I think people are looking for like, tell me I'm at this point in my career. I'm this many years in, I do or do not have have this level of funding. Should I say yes to this? And it's like, 
That's not how it works. It's about what you need and what you're looking for. So here's my example. When I first started on faculty, I did not have money. You know, I was, I was applying for a bunch of grants. I am on a clinician scientist promotion pathway. So I had a timeline and a clock for needing to get funded. And I was coming in with a somewhat new idea. It was a departure from what I had done in my postdoc training time. It was a very clear departure. So it was, it was new for me. And I was working and trying to figure out like how I was going to arrange this argument, how I could get funding in this area. And when I got to my institution, also because, you know, I'm Black and there are not that many of us. So you know what happens when you start at a new institution and you're a woman of color, but especially if you're a Black woman. Everybody wants you to come, right? Because, you know, oh, come speak to our event, come speak here, come give grand rounds, come speak to this group, come speak to this seminar, all the stuff. That all happened to me. And you know what? I did not just say no. You know why I didn't? I said yes. I gave seven talks, seven talks my first year. You know why? Because I was working out my ideas, Because I was like, you know what? The more and more I have to put this on slides and walk people through, this is the background. These are the research gaps. This is what I'm trying to do. These are the ways I'm thinking about doing it. The more and more I do that with different audiences consistently, every single time, I kept honing my argument, making it better, hearing what the critique was, what the questions were, where the gaps were, getting ideas about which way I could position it, what would be the angle every single time. So it did two things for me. One, it forced me in a really good way. I mean, this was a really good way to continue to work on the idea. So literally, as I'm working on my grant, I am literally incorporating each presentation and the feedback and the thoughts. So it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Second thing, I'm giving talks with no results. Do you know how freeing that is? It's not about the results of the talk. It's just about pitching the argument. Oh my God, y'all, this is the most underutilized thing for early career faculty. I am telling you right now, the more that you that position yourself to give talks where it's not about the results, it's about the argument and it's about the setup, the more you will clarify your solid foundation for your work to come. Give yourself that gift. So that's what I was doing. And then of course, what was the collateral benefit? Not the primary goal, the collateral benefit, right? Was that I was doing talks in the institution. People were finding out who I was. I was learning about different collaborators. I was getting some cachet, you know, like, but those were collateral. I wasn't going in thinking I have to give a whole bunch of talks. So people think I'm important. No, I was literally doing it for me. So that's a very specific example of how like, just say no would was not helpful and why I was making a decision as I was getting invited to this seminar and that to go because I was like, great, this will keep me going. It will keep me on track, keep working these ideas. And so I submitted, I think I submitted three grants that first year. And it was like, even the figures, the way the feedback I was getting about my slides, everything kept getting better and better and better. And I know, I know it was a huge, it was a huge part of my early success. Because I didn't wait for that cycle. I wasn't waiting for that cycle of feedback for like one entire year of submitting a grant once and just seeing what happens, right? It was like a much tighter feedback cycle because of that. So that would be an example. Now let's contrast that to now. 
So now I don't, I don't need to give seven talks about the various research projects I have going on right now. So now, no, I do not say yes to every seminar and grand rounds and this and that at all, because that's not, it's no longer serving my particular needs at this time. So the way that I think about what talks am I giving is with a completely different lens right now because talks are doing a different thing for me than they were doing early on. So this is what I mean by clarifying what you want for your career. Like, where are my goals? What am I doing? What impact am I having? And where am I now? How does this opportunity fit in with where I am now? If you are being invited to do an op-ed, for example... How does that fit in with where you are now? What are you writing about that's going to help or detract from the argument and the work that you're in the space now? How is standing up and being visible in this space helping you with your work? The kind of work that you're trying to do, that you're trying to get funded, that you're trying to make impact on. All visibility is not helpful visibility. If you are offered this great opportunity to lead this committee or do this thing, and it has nothing to do and it's not aligned with the work that you're trying to do in the world, the impact you're trying to have with your career, you are creating future distraction, literally. Because you're saying that that opportunity is saying, here I am, this is what I do. And you know what happens? Once you do that, you're gonna get 50 more questions, asked, opportunities about that thing. And then you're gonna be mad. Why do people keep asking me to do this? This isn't really what I wanna do. Well, girl, because you stood up and said, this is me, right? Why do we do that? Because we're looking at the visibility. We're looking at the gold star. We're looking at the, oh, it's a national committee. It's this thing. And I want to tell y'all that the gold stars have to be the byproduct. They cannot be first. This is how we get off track. Okay, I feel like I kind of got off track. So coming right back around to reclaiming time. And number four is, the point is, when you're clear about what where you're trying to go and what kind of things, not just what they are, but the topics, what they're focused on would serve you in building what you're trying to do versus not, you have a predetermined filter. So now every ask that comes in, instead of being at the mercy of being too tired, being too rushed, 80, 85% of the decision is made by your predetermined filter. And so now you only have like 15% to decide on, which is like, it's already a no because this doesn't match with anything I'm trying to do or any of my goals right now. Or it's, oh, this could be a yes because it matches. And now I have to do what, y'all? Not say yes and hope. I need to ask clarifying questions. I would like to ask some clarifying questions about A, B, C, D, the things that would make it doable or not doable, sane or not sane to fit into your schedule. So those are four ways to reclaim your time, specifically from the issue of saying yes when you mean no. Y'all, this is available to all of us. And there's so many things that we can't change about the pressures of our positions as faculty in academic medicine and public health and allied fields. And I'm, I recognize that. And actually, I think being very clear about that also helps a lot. But it also means that we have to be very clear about the things that we do have control over and how our own clarity and present, being present in the moment and understanding our motivation behind these yeses that means no, how we can spend time on that, recognize it, and start to practice different strategies that will have downstream effects on opening up your time. And the last thing that I will just say is that when you do this, 
when opportunities come that are aligned, you're like, ooh, this is exactly what I want to do. Ooh, it's the topic I care about. Ooh, it's the people I want to work with. Ooh, it's the audience that matters. It feels so good. Why? Because one, you're like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. But two, you also have the time. So now you get to spend that time that you preserved on the thing that you most want to be working on. And that is what all of us want to do. That is literally all of our goals, to be in this amazing, amazing, amazing field where we get to spend our days and spend our time doing the work we love. All right, y'all. That's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. If this was helpful for you, please let me know. You know where to find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Kemi Dole, K-E-M-I-D-O-L-L. On all the platforms, you can also come to my website, KemiDole.com, and sign up for my Career Foundations newsletter where you'll get these kind of gems and way, way more. Sometimes I feel like talking like this. Sometimes I feel like writing. I am also multi-passionate, y'all. And so I love having all of these different avenues to be able to connect with you. And you can also connect back with me. So also remember, if you ever want me to address a particular topic or out of curiosity, you can always DM me on any of those platforms, or you can shoot me an email at podcast at kdolcoach.com. And I will certainly respond on the show. Okay. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. Don't say yes when you mean no. Four strategies, just pick one and start practicing it starting today. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening with me today. I appreciate your time as I know it's so valuable. I hope this episode was helpful to you and I hope you feel energized to go out and claim your unapologetic career. See you soon.